when you're in situations where it's just so hectic, it's so noisy, it clouts your judgment. Yeah. And so I pray for that because I want to make sure that no matter what's going on, no matter how successful I get, because even good things can clout you no matter how much money I make. Like say for instance, you set a goal to make a hundred K in a quarter and then you hit that and that, that has the potential to like go to your head and clout your judgment. So I pray to be grounded and have that discernment no matter what is happening around me to be able to know what is and isn't for me. The top three responses that I get when I ask, why do you want to leave corporate America? Are that you want financial freedom, you want to own your own time, and you want to build a legacy for this generation and generations to come. Now, this is not a solo job. In order to transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship, it's going to take community and it's going to take resources. And I've created the community of pioneers who are going to wrap around you and help you make that transition successfully. So if you're interested in leaving your job, go ahead and click that information below. Let's get into the community and let's transition from your nine to five into entrepreneurship successfully. Now let's get back to the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Young, and we have a fabulous guest today. Y'all can already tell you guys, <laughs> listen. I do what I can. You do what I can. <laughs> when I think of black girl magic, and I know like there's so many different um, you know, forms of black girl magic, but meeting you in person is just as awesome as meeting you like Aww. on Zoom. Oh, like, oh she's such a big thank you. Energy. I love it. Thank so you. without further ado, would you like to take it away? Sure. So first of all, thank you for having me. This is so cool. And I do not take it lightly when people invite me to their platforms. So thank you for having me because you can pick anybody anywhere, but you picked little me. So thank you for inviting me here. But um, my name is Kayla Riggins. I am a brand and content strategist. And I know you're probably thinking some of you at home, maybe what does that mean? And it's just a very, very convoluted way of saying I help people use their story and infuse it in their content messaging. So how are you showing up online? What story are you telling? How are you connecting with your audience? So entrepreneurs, brand owners, service providers, those are a lot of my clients and I work with them to help them really identify their content messaging. Mm, <laughs> girl, all in all in one because one, I'm reading this book called um, A Story Brand. Okay. And mm-hmm. um, building a story brand. Mm-hmm. And there's, it's so aligned to just telling a story of your business, being able to like tell a story of how they actually help and then align, aligning your story with your actual client story we don't do that as entrepreneurs. We mm-hmm. come out and we're like, "Hey, me, me, me! Mm-hmm. I'm a bad, I'm a bad mm-hmm. business. You mm-hmm. want to be, you want to buy from me." Mm-hmm. And so, what you do is help them position that and tell their story so that it connects with their customers. Right, right. Because for some reason in entrepreneurship, we do the opposite of the way we're sold to. Mm-hmm. Right, like we do the opposite of the way we actually consume products and services. So, what I mean by that is, like, I always tell my clients. Do an audit of the things that you've purchased and bought into over the last 90 days. Okay. And then actually put some thought behind what made you buy it. More often than not, there was a connection made and some type of story that was told and you didn't even realize it that made you connect to that product. And so with an entrepreneurship, like you said, it's like, hey, it's me, me, me. This is my business. Come work with me. But it's like, girl, you're serving other people. You're selling to someone else. So what about them? And so if we take more of an approach of how you consume content and adapt that strategy to how now you produce it to your consumers, I think it'll click better for people. And so that's what I'm all about doing is helping people understand how to use stories to create connection because that's what people buy off connection. Like, sure, you buy toilet paper because you need toilet paper, right? But you choose between your one ply, your two ply, your Charmin, your Angel Soft, like you're choosing for a very specific reason. And I think so often we don't realize that story is all around us. When you think of McDonald's, we don't know 
who the founder of Mac founder of McDonald's is. I mean, we know, but like that's not the story that's being told in the advertising. Mm-hmm. It's always like some little girl running through a park with her dad, yep. and then they went to McDonald's, and that was like her childhood memory. That's a story. Yes. So again, like you said, it's always me, me, me in entrepreneurship. But like, look at how you consume McDonald's. Is like when you watch a Walmart commercial storytelling. It's a a a, a, fam, a man coming home from the army, and they are finally gathering around the table, and this is his first Christmas home. Wow. That is storytelling. Sam Walton, I believe that's his name. Mm-hmm. He is not in those commercials. Because it's not me, me, me. He yes. is telling the story of the people, his consumer. Yeah. Right? So that's a part of my responsibility here on earth. <laughs> I, and, and it's really needed. So, because even when you mention like Walt, Sam Walton, I think the disconnect for solo entrepreneurs is we're out here doing it on our own, mm-hmm. right? So really, it is just us, right? We don't have the team yet or the actors to do the commercials, mm-hmm. but... Um, I think that's where the disconnect is because we're, we're we're doing everything in our business. We have to be front and center as mm-hmm. well. And a lot of times people don't even want to be front and center. So what do you do for those clients who um, they're not, they're the, the introverts, mm-hmm. right? They don't want to be a part of their brand. They don't want to tell the story on camera. Mm-hmm. How do they get a chance to convey the message of yep. the story in that way? So that's an excellent question. I actually get it all the time. And so if you don't want to be the face of your brand or you don't desire to play more of a front role, you are always telling the story of your customer anyway so while I'm a content strategist and I infuse my own story into my content messaging at the core I am illustrating and agitating the pain point of my target audience Mm. so if I didn't want to be forward-facing in my business say for instance you were one of my clients then I would have you come on do a testimonial I would have you do a case study about our workings together your transformation and then I would tell your story so if you don't want to tell your own story tell the story of the experience or the transformation that your product or service provides mm-hmm. for your customer and, and so it. right and so a good example of that would be um, Warby Parker for example I don't know if you know the story um, stories are everywhere so Warby, Warby Parker the eyeglasses place okay. was founded because and I don't want to butcher it but y'all google it because it's a good one but he left his glasses on a plane and I think wherever he landed there was no quick access to get new ones so he was kind of stuck with nothing for the duration of the vacation or wherever he was going and so that kind of started this inspiration for the business of glasses needing to be readily available it should be easier to just walk in pick a frame and get glasses and that's the Warby Parker business model you can go in and get frames very quickly and have new glasses within a couple of days and so again that was a personal story of his but think about how many other people have that pain point yes glasses wearers always lose their glasses they always have multiple pairs sometimes they need them more quickly than they're available to come in so now the storytelling is telling the story of their customer the pain point of their customer so when you think about it as business owners service providers people who have products etc we start this out of need for we needed a solution for something that usually we were experiencing or maybe someone else was experiencing um one of my uh, clients, she has a um, skincare brand, um, and she started it because her daughter suffered with uh, eczema. Okay. And so while it wasn't her story personally, it was personal to her because this is, you know, her daughter. So while she's not the face of the brand, she's not telling anything about herself, storytelling is still infused in that because many people suffer with eczema, right? And that was the story of the person who suffers with eczema. Yes, and it's a huge pain point. Even if that's not you as a parent, you're saying, like, my baby is suffering Mm -hmm. eczema can be painful it can Mm -hmm. really like tear your skin Mm -hmm. up um so even though you're not experiencing it firsthand the the parents like 
um, solution to like, hey, let me let me re- resolve my baby's pain is mm-hmm. also another thing. I'm curious about you. You mentioned um, even if it's not your experience, right? So sometimes it's your first hand pain point that you decided to build a mm-hmm. business off of. Sometimes it's indirect, mm-hmm. right? But even in that mother, that parent example, it's still, still somehow related to you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about per- service providers who help business owners do something in their business. For example, let's say it's a business process like um, a consultant, mm-hmm. and they're going to a restaurant owner, right? Okay. So they've never run a restaurant before, mm-hmm. but they understand the pain points. Mm-hmm. How do they position themselves as a um, as a person that will help their customer as opposed to that, that me, 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 hey, I'm a business consultant mm-hmm. and I know how to run your business. Mm-hmm. What's a better way to position yourself as an expert even if you don't resonate with their actual like niche? Yes. Right? Because with, with the example that you gave, the restaurant owner, the rest, you know, the restaurant business is a niche, but the person, the service provider is a business consultant. Mm-hmm. And so when you know the fundamentals of business, while it is applicable across many different areas of business, use those fundamentals to market and sell your services. So yes, working in the restaurant business is very niche, right? And maybe that particular person is looking for someone who has experiences there. But with me, for example, content strategy across the board, there are fundamentals of that. There are fundamentals of how you tell the story. So whether you're a salon owner, a real estate agent, or, you know, a model, what I do at the fundamentals of content creation, of content strategy, I'm going to always be able to assist you in some way because of the fundamentals associated with it. it. Mm. So I would say the same for that example. Like, yes, the niche is restaurant, but the fundamentals of business consulting are there, are laid. And if the person has been doing this, if this is their expertise, it's usually usually applicable across many industries. Mm. And it's always a case-by-case basis, right? Because if you, for example, I know like restaurant management, that's a very specific niche. So maybe that's something that you may not want to touch if you haven't had the experience there before. But if it's something more broad, like consulting, business consulting, usually there's a set of fundamental tools that can work across the board when applied correctly. Mm, and then going back to your original point, once they have client testimonials, they can tell the story through their client's eyes as mm-hmm. opposed to through their own experience. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I, I Use the it. people that you've helped to illustrate what it is that you do. That's storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have to now watch Kayla tell me why she's a great content strategist. I just send you this video of Ariel saying her experience with me. And yes. so you're telling your story, which in turn promotes my business, my service, the transformation that I provide. Yeah, you explained mm-hmm. that really well. So I, I understand. <laughs> I was gonna say, you got it. It <laughs> resonated. It's, that's actually an activity I make my clients do after we finish a certain um, set of work. I say, now tell me, teach it back to me. Yes. And that's kind of like me making sure that you got it. So what you just did was taught it back to me. So you got it. <laughs> oh, come on, yeah. You learned it. Yeah, you learned it. I love it. So your brain, obviously is amazing you got a lot of thoughts up in there i'm trying to figure out what's how do we start to cultivate it did you know that you were going to be like a in the marketing space um how would you how would you categorize your education development yeah um i didn't know anything about i didn't know anything about where i would be i just knew that it would be great Um, because again, going back to fundamentals, I know that at the core of who I am, I do great things. Like I work hard. I, you know, I go after what I want. So I never really knew in what way it would come to come to be. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of ways it's still coming to be, but my background is in television production. 
So I went to college here in Atlanta. I went to Clark Atlanta and I studied broadcast television. And so I moved to New York after college and I started a career as a production assistant in TV production. Mm -hmm. Um, In college, I started a blog. And um, this was kind of like, I guess, the unofficial introduction into what my life is now. But this was back in 2012. And so that's when blogging was nowhere near the sought after expertise that it is today. People were just posting pictures of their kids on vacation, their cats and what they had for dinner. Mm-hmm. It was nowhere near like what this is today. Right. Yeah. And so I started a blog in college because I felt like there was a lack of representation of people who looked like me, black women, uh, plus size, natural hair in mainstream media. And when we were represented, I felt like we were misrepresented. Like there's the stigma associated with being plus size or having natural hair and so many stigmas associated with being black but we don't have enough time for that today Um, but just to touch on those two that are more niche right there's this stigma associated with like plus size uh, uh, natural hair not being appropriate in corporate environments right Um, there's this stigma associated with being plus size means that you are not confident that you don't know how to dress like you you know don't feel good in your skin and I would like to say that I walk around and debunk all of that (laughs) every day (laughs) so in college I was like People would really like stop me on the promenade in the streets and ask me about like where I had purchased certain things from. X like literally people would stop me and ask these questions. So I was like, okay, well let me create an outlet where I can share the wealth too, like share this information. So I started blogging about beauty and fashion um, and sharing like where I was getting my clothes from, the inspiration behind me wearing what I wanted to wear. Because again, a lot of plus size women feel like because of you know the stigmas in mainstream media, like they can't wear certain things. And so I always wore what I want and so I was sharing the information so that's how that started and then when I moved to New York a year later I found myself now in the backyards of these different brands New York is market one and so that's when blogging really started to like kind of cultivate itself for me because now I have opportunities to like rub elbows with these brands right so beauty fashion and style is what I did for like the first year or two and then I started getting real because now I'm in New York I'm a millennial, I'm fresh out of college, I'm broke. Like I'm going through all of these different, I guess, growing up changes. Mm -hmm. And so then I started sharing more about that too, infused with the fashion, beauty and style. So while I still may have been talking about, you know, my favorite fall lipsticks, I was telling you about what I was going through in corporate at work. I was telling you about apartment shopping. I was telling you about having $5 in my bank account. So I was infusing like what I was going through as a millennial, just trying to chase her dreams into my content creation. And so that's when things clicked for me as I started to be more transparent. And again, storytelling started telling stories about what I was going through. I really started to um, attract partnerships with brands in a major way. So I I would get like a little $20 here, a little hundred dollars there as long as I was blogging before. But when I started to like really infuse story into all of those things, that's when the $500 checks came, the thousand dollar checks came. And so before I knew it, I was now blogging and had a real extra you know revenue stream on the side while still working in corporate america and so that's kind of like the gateway to 
content like that's like a part of like what makes me an expert at it is because I've actually done it like I've worked on the blogger side and then in corporate I was in TV production and so of course I went from a production assistant you climb up the corporate ladder I was a producer an associate producer a senior producer and so I've worked for these different television networks and so storytelling is what TV is it's literally the core of what television is so now I'm telling these stories on the side like my own with blogging but now I'm really learning how to put together stories in a real packaged way because of me now being a TV producer and so long story short um, corporate America which I'm sure we will get into (laughs) corporate America was not for me and through a series of hiring firing laid off repeat hire fire laid off get a raise we love you we hate you rinse repeat (laughs) Um, you know what I'm talking about right Um, I finally like was forced out of corporate America and so while I was blogging I started to garner the attention of my peers so I was creating this great content for myself and then people started to say hey can you help me with your content can you help me with my content like I love the way you lay out your content can you help me with mine for my business or brand Mm -hmm. and I said no (laughs) because this is work and I didn't want to be bothered with like I knew the effort that was going into creating my content and building my own personal brand and now in hindsight I was being selfish like not but that's why hindsight is 2020 but like I didn't want to be bothered with having to help other people because it was work and I didn't I don't I didn't think people would understand that and so I said no a few times finally I said yes one of my profiles was starting a um a business and she was like hey I want you to help me with my entire content strategy and roll out for the launch of my company and I have this budget set aside for it so now it's like all right I really don't have a reason to say no this is somebody who I have a personal rapport with you know she's gonna pay me I know how to do this just get the money and run right that was the plan get the money and run (laughs) so I was like sure I'll help you out so I did it and I was like ow this wasn't that bad I kind of liked it so before I knew it I had this referral based content strategy business so like she told somebody and then somebody told somebody else and so before I knew it now I'm making money on the side with this but I'm still working in corporate because you know we're taught you have to have this good job with these benefits this 401k this PTO and that is what success looks like yes So I had a lot of unwiring to do, still do, honestly, even being out of corporate, but I never really saw what I was doing on the side as my gateway to entrepreneurship because my mind was like, while we're millennials and we're very progressive, a lot of millennials are raised by baby boomers, right? And so that mindset is different and no shade to our parents because they did the absolute best that they could. But it's a different mindset, you know, with people really instilling in you that this is how this is what success looks like getting a job staying there putting money into a 401k and then at 65 finally being able to go to florida right right florida (laughs) (laughs) at 65 so finally being able to go to florida and it's just like no like that mm -mm, that's not cute you know and so but but for a while i i didn't want to jump because I was afraid to let go of the security of the 401k, the PTO, and all of those things. And so I was kind of really forced out, which is what I shared in that higher fire rinse repeat cycle yes. um and so 2019 just to speed it up a little bit 2019 um absolute worst year of my life went through a series of hiring firings and all of those things but it got really shady because I was fired uh I was my firing was masked in a mediation so I was supposed to have a mediation with my boss and my boss's boss in HR okay and so I walk into the room this is on the calendar and it's just me in HR in the room and I chuckle because at this point I've been yeah, here before I've that. seen this mm-hmm. and so I was like do you need me to close the door because 
you know, I'm assuming that it's just us. So I'm like, you know what I mean? Close the door. He's like, yeah, you close the door. Because nobody else is coming, girl, because this isn't a mediation. Yeah. They are firing you. Yeah. And so that was very shady to me because, like, just fire me. Had you gotten uh, um, the pip, like, or any of that before? You, it was just the on mm-hmm. the moment. Could, did mm-hmm. you see it coming? Thank you so much for watching the Work and Play podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Boss Up Conference, which is a community for entrepreneurs, CEOs, celebrities, and corporate executives to come together, network, and solve some problems. Thank you all so much for being supporters of the Work and Play podcast. And thank you for watching the Work and Play podcast and all the episodes before. Now, let's get back to the episode. Um, Honestly, no. Because there had never been. This was the first um, um uh, this was the first mediation on the books mm-hmm. like there had never been an issue before yeah so this was an issue that had just kind of started to happen yeah and when I didn't back down like when I challenged my boss you know it resulted in her talking to her boss and then HR getting involved and like us needing to mediate mm-hmm. so this was really the first step but my first step was a firing because they just didn't want to deal with me and that's okay I'm a lot for most people to handle and I'm cool with that I love it <laughs> definitely a powerhouse because I can't even imagine you being in corporate but I feel like that's such a huge story because especially when I ask you okay so content content strategy content development it's not that you went to like college for marketing you Mm -hmm. have you have experience and tested and tried different content strategies Mm -hmm. which is a lot which has allowed you to be in this place now where you know how to help people do it themselves Mm -hmm. but so much of the professional that you are Mm -hmm. comes from corporate and that's why I'm grateful for it yeah because as as tough as it was as like nasty as it was corporate America did birth who I refer to as corporate Kayla Mm -hmm. so understanding how to not I mean simple etiquette like responding to and how to reply to emails like simple things that some people just don't know how to do <laughs> i'm thankful for corporate like setting up a calendar invite some people don't know how to do like yeah. i have like i've had some some experiences with potential clients and it's like it's time for the call and they're like where's the link girl in the email that you accepted so it's like <laughs> little things like that yeah. i am grateful for corporate and corporate taught, taught me how to play ball Right, because it's very politicky. So, mm-hmm. like, I use a lot of those skill sets when I'm negotiating brand deals, when I'm negotiating contracts with other partners, when I'm negotiating with clients. Like, it just yeah. really it taught you how to play ball in that regard. So, I'm definitely grateful for yeah. the polishing of it. But at the same time, there are some aspects of corporate that I found myself subconsciously bringing into my business, and I didn't like that because you don't have to do that. That's the point of entrepreneurship is to do it your way. Absolutely. I yeah. think I, I, find, I kind of feel like I know what you mean. Like perfectionism mm-hmm. kind of hit me because mm-hmm. when you're used to multiple iterations of a, of a document mm-hmm. or of a project, you're used to like sending it up the, the ladder of um, approval, coming back. You're like, okay, I don't know if this should go out. That part was a huge one for me, mm-hmm. perfectionism. Um, I even feel like wanting everything to be like mm-hmm. um, corporatized. Mm-hmm. Like even my website to this day, mm-hmm. I wish I, I do have to go back. It's, there's not a lot of like me a lot mm-hmm. of storytelling mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's more so we started in 19 you know what I mean it's such it's so much more it's like stuffy mm-hmm. stuffy mm-hmm. that's a really great word mm-hmm. so I think in, in terms of that those are the two things that I know I brought so when you say you brought some things that you want to kind of unlearn into your business what were the ones for you um the timeliness and not timeliness is like oh I want to be late but like feeling like you have to stick to a structured schedule mm-hmm. I don't get on the phone 
with anybody before noon because I don't want to. And in corporate, I will never forget, I had this job where we had a 9 a.m. stand-up every day. The meeting would be five minutes long, but it was such a corporate haze. Like, I live in Harlem. I had to get all the way down to Soho, which is like a 40-minute train ride during rush hour in the morning, just for a 9 o'clock meeting for them to say five things, and then you go sit back down and basically wait to really start your day because no one else is even really here. Mm. And so little stuff like that. And so when I first started my business, I used to be up. Just like I was. And I used to be on the phone with people at 9 and 10 o'clock in the morning because that was like some of the things that I have adapted from corporate. And then I realized I don't like this. I didn't like it then. So why am I making myself do this now? So now my mornings are for me. Of course, within reason. There is an exception. Like I have taken calls in the morning. I will continue to take calls in the morning by choice. Right? Mm -hmm. But like on my day to day, my office hours don't open until noon because my mornings are for me. So even like just simple structures like that. Um, Choosing what work you want to do. That's another one for me. It's like not, and this is something that I really had to learn, not taking on work because, oh, well, it looks good. It's a good portfolio client because that's corporate all the way. Like doing things that aren't really aligned with what you want to do or even the business model, but it's good. It looks good in your portfolio. Yeah. I had to cut that out because it was making me miserable. And it's like, I was miserable here. What is the point of being an entrepreneurship? If I'm going to be miserable over here too. So really learning my way. I'm still finding my footing because this is all still very new to me. Like I was um, saying, you know, like I said, I was kind of forced into this. And so 2020 was actually my first full year of entrepreneurship, meaning I stopped just doing it on the side and I actually got on the internet and told people about it and started promoting like, hey, I'm Kayla and this is what I do. Whereas before I was Kayla the influencer, like Kayla the blogger. People didn't know this other side of me because I never talked about it because I fought it because I didn't want to do it. So (laughs) there's that, the disobedience of it all, which is a whole nother (laughs) story. Can we talk about your relationship with social media and corporate? I'm curious about so well one I really wanted to actually know what your role was when they walked when you walked into that mediation mm-hmm. ambush mm-hmm. like what was your role at that time because I'm curious to know like what was your uh, relationship with social media mm-hmm. while you were in corporate at that time yeah so at that role I was a beauty and style producer mm-hmm. that was my um, title um, and in terms of my relationship with social media do you mean like was I still doing my own thing even though I had these corporate jobs or in what way so a lot of my clients have a very like weird relationship with social media because they're like how do I put myself out there like I'm doing my own thing when I work here at, ah, at this company so mine was actually the opposite because of the presence that I had built up for myself that's actually what got me a lot of my corporate jobs so with this one wow. in particular with this one in particular so mm-hmm. it's great that you went here so the job that I was fired from the last my last corporate job um, that I was a beauty and style producer there, but it was the expertise that I had built up or the street cred, if you will, from blogging for so many years, working with different brands that really looked good when they decided to interview me for that role. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was actually the opposite because I went through a shift in corporate where the industry started to change. So like when I first started working in television production, again, blogging and stuff was still like, oh, like that's cute. Like that's what people do, you know, teenagers doing their addicts. Yeah. But there was a shift where now corporate entities started to incorporate social media into now their marketing and branding. Yes. And you remember back in the day, like I think I always reference Michael Jackson dying as like I feel like a big shift because Twitter mm-hmm. was just like this place where 
people just used to do, 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 whatever and talk about stuff. But when Michael Jackson died and TMZ broke the news first on Twitter, wow, I felt like that was a cultural shift of people being like, wait a minute, this social media stuff is really something that we need to incorporate into our branding and our business structure. So I came in where it wasn't really popping like it is now within the TV space. We were still focused on TV proper. This was even before streaming. Like I used to work for BET back in the day. There was no BET Plus, the streaming. You know what I mean? So the, the culture has done such a huge shift in just a short amount of time. And so for me, because it started to make a shift in a direction that I had already put my feet in because I was blogging, yeah. it was like, oh, well, not only does she have the formal training from being in this space, but she also knows about this new direction that we're headed in. So in a lot right. of time, a lot of ways, I knew more than them in terms of the digital media blogging space because they're just now trying to figure this out and how to add it on. But I have been doing it because I started blogging in college. So I'm already working with the brands. Like I, I could share contact with y'all. Because I am, as a one person, has has a relationship because I've worked with Macy's, for example. So I can yes. shoot you somebody's email. As an influencer, right? right? As an influencer. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I was, I was a data analyst at the time. We're both millennials, mm-hmm. but... I remember huge surges of social media managing um, mm-hmm. exactly you jobs that you never heard of, right? Mm-hmm. And those those folks, a lot of times they were really cool, and I would I can imagine you being like the really cool ones who would come in and and really that mindset where it's like. Um, you know they're coming in and they're the expert. They're going to teach us about social media. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that. I wasn't that that millennial. So I've always like looked at you guys as like super duper cool. <laughs> like just made a job for yourself. And, and honestly, I think that was a wave that our generation got a chance to really take advantage mm-hmm. of and be experts at nineteen mm-hmm. to corporate corporations that had no clue mm-hmm. about what direction they needed to go mm-hmm. in. So and that's actually really dope. And I knew that the that there was a shift too because you you raise a good point. Like there's this again this stigma attached that you have to kind of hide who you are online yes. from who you are going in to present as for these corporate jobs. Right. And I will never forget, I went in to interview for a job and he said, the person interviewing me who later became my boss, he said, yeah, I checked out your website. It's pretty dope. You did all of that by yourself? I said, what website you checked out? Because mind you, depending on the role, when it was applicable, I would list it. When it wasn't, I wouldn't. So sometimes it wasn't always super applicable, but that's a learning lesson everything is kind of always applicable with the way we're going within the digital space. Okay. But he, he said, yeah. I said, what website you checked out? He was like, I went to your website. Like I see your blogging and a different, I was like, Oh, I, I said, yeah, I did it by myself. And he said, you built your website too. Now I didn't really know where he was going with this, but I was like, yeah, all of that. I do it all by myself. And he was like, that's pretty impressive. I asked because in this role you'll be doing X, Y, Z. So because I had, again, this is me over here doing all of this on the side. He, that actually helped me get that job because it's like, well, dang, if she could do all of this over here by herself as a one man band, we're a whole conglomerate. So she's going to be able to do great with all of the resources we have here, you know, with that type of thought, right? That type of like, you got to be a thought leader, like, you know, innovation. And so I would say too, to, to people who are concerned about that, figure out ways to leverage it in your favor, you know, especially when it applies. Yeah, I think I think you're right, especially when it applies, especially if there's not like a conflict of interest. And, and my thought yes. is um, you having your own professional persona in like on LinkedIn, for example. And if you're working for this company and you're putting these great and wonderful things that you're doing out there, my mindset is you can either be an asset for the company or you can go out there and do something for mm-hmm. yourself. Um, but I love the way you tell the story about position, positioning yourself 
so that it aligns to what it is that you're doing because mm-hmm. it makes the transition to entrepreneurship much more smoother yep. and strategically mm-hmm. um, because you've been doing this thing once you were associated with Coca-Cola for example mm-hmm. and now you're no longer doing that for Coca-Cola you're just doing it for yourself and you mm-hmm. still have that brand credibility right so I love it right and that's what a lot of I feel like entrepreneurs new entrepreneurs don't realize that it is a part of their like their superpower is that a lot of people are like well I'm new to this mm-hmm. no you're not you're just new to doing it for yourself like I had been doing content strategy, producing all of that for years. So when I started doing it for my own business, I wasn't new to it. I had been doing it forever for the man. Right. But for whatever reason, we feel like we need that corporate entity as our like, I don't know, brag bank or, you know, a way to give us validation. Yes. So it's like just because you come out of corporate and now you're doing this in your business, that doesn't mean you're new to this. You're new to doing this for yourself on your own. But the skill sets have been there for years. Yes. And so reimagining it that way and positioning it that way is also something that we can use to leverage our service or our product. Because again, going back to story, that's a part of my brand story. Like while I stepped out and started doing it over here for myself, I have been doing it in corporate for years. Yes. That's a, that's the most powerful thing. It's a it's a huge shift because for some reason like it's really hard for me to get one of my clients to like think about Listen, you make this company a million dollars a month. You, mm-hmm. you get paid, let's say, ninety or $90,000. So at the very least, you're worth the $90,000 that you're making plus the money that you're actually earning in the company. But then when they go into entrepreneurship, they have these like $50 products. Mm-hmm. And you're like, hold, hold mm-hmm. the phone. Right. And you're doing the exact same right. thing that should be valued at the exact same amount. Right. But that's the thing that's the most frustrating. It's a it's a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. And we take it step by step you know, on your pricing. And I know you've probably gone through it too, like yeah. price adjustments mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about like us like testing, testing the propensity for us to like just charge our work. Right. So I'm curious about your your, um, perspective on like the storytelling piece. Back when we were, and it's crazy, like I feel like we can say back then, and it was only like five years. We getting old. Girl. Us millennials is getting elderly. It's it's, it's like we got dog years on us. Yeah, yeah. For real. For real. Because like five years ago, I think the way to, if I were to say this, a strategy to be um, popular on social media would be just to kind of lay it out on, on the line. Like, Today I had a bad day, y'all. And that was because you get to watch somebody be vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? And you get to watch them experience their um, their life journey. And then you see now, five years later, they have a business. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. They just lived their life on social media and they developed a business. Now, for us as entrepreneurs, we are more intentional about how we, what stories we share. Mm-hmm. And I think a huge uh, disconnect for some people is how vulnerable can I be in my business without being like today like today was a bad day because I don't know or at least I don't feel like that's the same storytelling that we should be doing mm-hmm. um, hmm. that's a good question so I've gotten so many questions about this brand and I'm super excited to share that this episode is sponsored by Black is Wealth Clothing. Now, Black is Wealth was created to inspire and empower our culture to tap into our wealth. Now, when we talk about wealth, we're not just talking about financial wealth. We're talking about the strength, resilience and brilliance that lives inside of all of us. Now, by tapping into our wealth, we can create any form of wealth that we desire. So if you like this shirt or any other shirt that you've seen me sport on my Instagram or any other any other platform, then go check them out at blackiswealth.com. I love this one and y'all are going to love it too. Now let's get back to the episode. I think you, the, the one of the things that I pray for da- daily is the spirit of discernment mm-hmm. and being able to discern 
personally and professionally what is and isn't for me. And so just from a mindset and a spirituality place, and if it doesn't apply, doesn't apply. Some people don't do Jesus, but that's y'all business. Uh, but like just from a place of spirituality, I really have to trust like the God in me to help me navigate that. Because I feel like you can, the short answer is you can only be as vulnerable as you know that you can be. Now, one of the the tips that I give my clients is if you feel like it's tugging at a place, maybe you haven't healed from it yet. And some people can't share something until it's over. Yeah. And so if you haven't healed from it yet, I would say share it after you've done the healing. So just document Mm -hmm. and then share it when you've healed from it. Because when you put things online, you do have to kind of relive it in a way. Kind of like reality TV. Like they, they settled the beef last summer, but because it airs this summer, now they have to publicly relive that in the court of public opinion, right? Yes. Um, But that's if you are not in a space to be able to share as you're healing. Me, on the other hand, I have done both. I've shared as I was over it and I've documented as I'm going through it. I love the documentation while going through it because it really creates that connection with your audience. You actually just said it. You said there are people who were five years ago, you saw them maybe struggling and you know upset about what was going on in their business and now flash forward to five years later, they're thriving. And so someone who's been following for five years feels personally connected to that because you shared you're relatable. They watched you go through that. And now just off that alone, they're going to support. They might not even like or need what you are selling. Mm-hmm. But because you took them through that, you have their support. And so that's important too because we are selling to people. And I feel like that's where people get things misconstrued within their content is that so often it is robotic. It's very stuffy, mm-hmm. buttoned up. And it's like, who are you talking to? It's very like, hey, this dress is 20% off. Click the link in bio. People wear dresses. Mm -hmm. So how can you create a connection to get someone to click the link in your bio to buy the dress? And so when you think about the totality of your content, right, people are often so focused on what's going on on the front lines. Like, this is like my new collection. But what about the three months that it took you going back and forth with your vendor to get the collection ready yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. Show us that. Show me you stitching your handcrafted jewelry. Um, well, you don't stitch jewelry, but y'all know what I mean, right? Yeah. Show me you piecing your jewelry together at 3 a.m. Because that's going to be like, dang, like she's she, create the connection. Show me like how you pick out the, the stitches, you know, from a vendor in West Africa Show me you going over there and like handpicking this fabric that I'm going to wear yeah. because that creates a connection that shows me like what you're putting into it. Don't just send me an email and say, hey, here's 10% off by the dress. Yeah, because that doesn't mean anything to me. Yes. And so with being vulnerable, with being transparent, I think that people have to take a more behind the scenes approach when putting together their content strategy, too. And remember that we're selling to people and people buy off connection you don't buy something more often than not like again your basics you need them like i'm but i'm not buying toothpaste because of connection right mm-hmm. but i might buy a certain type of toothpaste because of connection right like charcoal for example exactly. there may be a story behind that something maybe i'm having like i don't know gingivitis and somebody has this charcoal toothpaste yeah that helps with that that's a connection absolutely so even within that it's like even with your necessities like i had a client tell me one time well i sell this and i feel like people either want it or they don't and i was like that's a mindset issue because just because it's something that there are multiple options on the market there's a little something for everybody i always tell the story of like when you're walking down the bread aisle there is so many different brands of bread but even beyond that there's so many different 
types of bread. Yes. There's wheat bread. There's gluten-free bread. There's white bread. There's rye. Yes. Maybe some type of like, I don't know what bread is vegan. I I'm going to tell you now. But like, there's a bread that I literally buy. It's somebody named Super Dave or something like mm-hmm. that. He had a peace store. He, had, he was uh, in prison and came out and started his own business in bread because he had, I think it was, he was able to farm or some that was his closest mm-hmm. way to get into entrepreneurship just based on the story i'm like what kind of bread exactly you got, <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. and so like you like a specific type of bread like for me i don't want no wheat bread i'll do honey wheat but that's see now what if the honey wheat people would have said well we're just gonna stick to wheat mm-hmm. then they would have not been serving kayla who likes honey wheat fast and so when you think about the people who like again think about your content strategy the way you consume so like when people he try to hit you with the oh well the market is saturated that is the biggest pack of bull to me because mm-hmm. what if Rihanna had had that thought process about the market being she founded Fenty Beauty what maybe six years ago now it hasn't been that long and it's a multi billion with a B company yeah right and she's selling makeup something that's been around something that everybody has one yes but there's a lane for everybody so I'm gonna go buy Rihanna's I'm gonna go buy Beyonce's I'm gonna go buy yours if you start selling some lip gloss you know what I mean so I feel like (laughs) mindset right like (laughs) mindset is like you have to position yourself to where what is special about me what is unique about me is going to attract my target audience and the way to do that is making sure that you are representing them in your content you're selling to humans and humans buy because of connection yeah, you're breaking this down very well. Dude. I appreciate it. And we're like weaving in and out of your story and getting some life lessons. So this is even another one because um, I like how you framed up what I said. You said you share sometimes while you're healing, but sometimes you share after you've healed. And if you're if you're going to do that after you've healed, document the mm-hmm. process and then share it. So one of the things, and because... Being in corporate can have its tra- trauma attached to it. We all need therapy. Right. We need post-corporate therapy. We really do. <laughs> and I will tell you, like, even, you know, like we both said, years after we're, we've been in corporate, we still have to kind of deprogram ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when I ask you this question, I'm not asking you to, like, go into something that you're still kind of working through. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you want to share, right? Mm-hmm. But you going into this ambush of a mediation wasn't the first time right where you've been like ambushed with um, a firing or being let go so what are some of the things that um you would say you've healed from from corporate that now you can tell a story you can empower someone else from it yeah um heal i would say i i've healed from feeling like i needed to be a dumbed down version of myself Ooh. yeah because i'm kayla this five foot nine right so i'm tall for a woman I have the type of like, I'm loud before I've opened my mouth. My presence is loud. When I walk into a room, my presence is loud. I can I cannot say a word. I don't even have to say, hey y'all. I could just walk in and it's a loud presence. So that's just that. And then physically, I have a loud presence before I say a word, right? I'm five nine, so I'm tall, I stand out, right? I'm gonna be dressed. So I'm not gonna have on like the demure colors and blend in. Like I may have on purple in the middle of a snowstorm. You know, that's me. I have loud red hair. I like to serve looks. So I might give you a red, purple, pink, whatever color I feel like on my lip that day, right? And so while I am vibrant and loud as a person, my appearance is also loud. And these are all things before I even open my mouth. 
And then when I do open my mouth, there's energy there too. And so a lot of times in corporate, the very same thing that I feel like got me in the door, yes. tried, they tried to change once I was in. Mm. And it's like, well, you ha- you knew what it was when you got into it. But like now that I'm in here, it's like, well, can you do it a little bit more this way? Can you tone this down a bit? And so those things have you feeling like who you naturally are is not professional. And I had to like make sure that I didn't allow that to penetrate my own business now. Like sometimes I would get dressed for a client shoot and I would find myself getting dressed like I was going to work. And I was like, I don't have to wear this. Like I can wear shorts to this shoot because I can. Mm. And just like these, these ideas that certain things are like deemed unprofessional. That's again, that's a whole nother unpacking for a whole nother episode, but really having to unlearn like the things that you are told about who you are not being aligned with their company culture. Yeah. Um, so that stands out to me. That would be like the number one thing that I have to make sure that, and like I said, I am healed from it, but I have to make sure it doesn't subconsciously pop back in here and there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I would say one of the things that, um, I'm most heal from constantly and I expose myself to new ways of being so that I can kind of see like are you still you know dealing with that it's it's a corporate navigation mm-hmm. right so I was really good at playing the game if I knew if I needed a job I could get a job mm-hmm. like I could interview I can get the resume I can do whatever right when it came to strategically like I would say things started unraveling when I wanted to be me I think I was really good at being the packaged individual to mm-hmm. go anywhere and then kind of tone down. But once my soul started to, to like open up, I was like, hold on, what you doing? Get mm-hmm. up, get back there, so. Uh-huh. And I think that's what made it difficult for me to navigate through corporate. I say all that to say, navigating as an entrepreneur kind of requires you to be yourself yes. a little bit, right? Yes, um, more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I don't agree with Hold your thought. Well, go because I don't want you to forget it. Yeah, I was gonna say chess. I was okay. gonna. I just feel like chess is required for both of them. But mm. what were you gonna say? Mo- more than what? Oh, well, that's an interesting perspective too. Hmm. Well, I was gonna say <laughs> what you made me think of. I don't because now you got me thinking like. Hmm. Okay. Well, well, we'll come back to that. But I was gonna say I don't. One of the things that entrepreneurship has taught me is that when people say it's not personal, it's just business. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that. It is absolutely personal. So much of you is in it in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship that it's hard for it to not be personal. So that's one thing, too, that I guess going back to your original question, unlearning for me is understanding that if I feel personally connected to something, that's okay in this space because this is literally mine. When I was working in corporate, I can see why you take that approach because it's literally not personal. I don't own this. This is not for me. Mm-hmm. But in entrepreneurship, it is a little bit different. And I had to like, in the beginning, I would get sometimes, like I would beat myself up about feeling so personally connected to it. And so I had to unlearn that because it's okay for me to feel that way because I'm literally in the trenches. Like yeah. I'm literally connected to every aspect of it. So sometimes it's going to hit you personally, particularly in the service provider space, because I deal with humans. I deal with people. Yeah. All the time. Like, I feel like when you're selling a product, it's a little bit different because what you do doesn't directly include the energy of a person. It yeah. does, but not directly. Yeah. Whereas with me, I directly deal with energy. And so sometimes you do feel personally connected to things for the good or for the bad. And so I just don't subscribe to the it's not personal, it's business thing anymore. Like sometimes it there are personal matters within business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it. I even am kind of... I love that you say energy because I move 
in an energetic way. And as the more I allow myself to be, um, I'm as much as I, I try to let go of the logic and really move in a way that I mm-hmm. feel energy. And I oftentimes, and I also move from connectedness. That's mm-hmm. one of my number one strengths. So oftentimes I feel things that people don't even say. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's a little bit weird being in business where their mindset might be like, it's not business, it's not personal, it's business. When you're like, I can see it all over you that it is a personal thing. And I, sometimes I would wish we could have more transparent conversations. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, that's that discernment Yeah, that I say that I pray for. That's when you being able to feel that, that's discernment. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say I pray for it every day because I need it to show up always in always. Yeah. Personally, professionally, when I'm dealing with business, friends, dating like I need to be able to discern what is and isn't for me yeah and so I pray for that because sometimes the noise can push you further away from the intuition like when you when you're in situations where it's just so hectic it's so noisy it clouts your judgment yeah and so I pray for that because I want to make sure that no matter what's going on no matter how successful I get because even good things can clout you no matter how much money I make like say for instance you set a goal to make a hundred uh, K in a quarter and then you hit that and that that has the potential to like go to your head and clown your judge so I pray to be grounded yes and have that discernment no matter what is happening around me to be able to know what is and isn't for me absolutely yeah I'm curious about your development and your transition into entrepreneurship when you um when you were ambushed, was that your start into entrepreneurship? <laughs> I love how you use ambush. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. But like, I love because you started calling it that. I don't think I use that word, but now I will when that's, I tell my story. Okay. I was ambushed. <laughs> Ariel said so. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> it's funny because that's how I receive it. I don't even because and it. when you say it though. Hey y'all, let me tell you about my friends at Run the World Clothing. Run the World is a community empowerment brand that chooses to educate on black history, black culture, and black radical thought through apparel and experiences. Run the World is a vessel to celebrate the black experience for black people and our allies. And I have on one of their latest pieces from this season's collection. So if you haven't seen Run the World Vic's episode on the Work and Play podcast, go check it out or go to their website to check out some of their apparel. Now let's get back to the episode. Because, you know, I, I lived it, right? So anytime I talk about it, I'm literally seeing it in my head. Like I remember the day, the time, the setup of the day. They made me work to the end of the day. Like I remember everything about it. And so when I walked into that room, while it was only one person, you're right. It was ambush. Absolutely. But I think you were asking, like, was that my was that it for me? And then came entrepreneurship? Well, it's actually in this space of you speaking about being centered and um, being quiet so that you can be discerning and then you can listen to what your your um, soul is telling you and even what God is telling you what you need to do. Before I left corporate, I had to get really comfortable with meditation. I was learning about me. Mm-hmm. I had my own spiritual journey before I quit, right? But I'm curious to know if you did any prep work before you got into that situation where you left. I didn't because I didn't leave. I was pushed out. Right. So, I'm so just... I don't know that. I feel like, so I'm stubborn mm. and you know, God knows his children because he created us and so because he knows that I feel I feel like he sets up circumstances in my life where I have to be pushed because I might not ever jump because I'm stubborn and so again I had this business already making money on the side from doing this but I never talked about it publicly I never broadcasted it I never put energy into making it a thing it was a referral based business because again my mindset was tied to I need this cor- I need this good job so that I can retire from and get these benefits and go be financial go to Florida at 65 <laughs> yeah. okay so I was pushed and so what happened was 
that was 2019. I fell into a really, really deep depression because I had been through a cycle of that. That was the worst of it, Um, but I had been through a cycle of that. And so during that time, I had the referral-based business and I was still applying for jobs. Fell into a really, really deep depression. It was just a lot going on after being fired from that job. There was also like things that started to happen personally. It was just bad, like the lowest I've ever, I can ever recall being. And so as I started to come out of the depression, I said, okay, God, because that's how I talk to Jesus very much like, what's up? Yeah. (laughs) So I said, okay, God, I'm going to do two things here. I'm going to put equal parts energy into finding another job. And I'm going to put equal parts energy into starting this business. And you do what you want me to do. Yeah. That's what I told God. (laughs) And so I was applying for jobs, Uh but I took the same strategy that I had been using within growing my personal brand. Because remember, I had this personal brand as an influencer. So I knew how to grow. I knew how to grow a brand, knew how to do it for clients too. So I took those same strategies and applied it to the pivot of now. I'm not just Kayla, the content creator. I'm also Kayla, the content strategist and you should book a call to work with me. So I applied this. I got online, relaunched my entire digital presence. And that was the start of me saying, okay, God, I told you I'm gonna look for jobs and I'm gonna do this. I did that. Nobody ever hit me back for a job, but me getting online and revamping my business, actually telling people about it, that took off for me. So then I was like, okay, I guess this is what you wanted me to do all along. Fine. (laughs) But I don't know that I ever would have jumped. I think I had to be pushed. I think in that regard, I have a personality type, at least for the mindset shift. I think I'll jump now because I get it, right? That's why hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. So now, like, I'll invest in myself in a minute. I'll start a new whatever in a minute yeah. because I understand sometimes that that's what needs to be done. But because I had never did that before, I was too afraid to let go of the security. And so even though I had these things on the side, I never thought to, like, let me see if I could just work this and get this. I never I never knew that that was my gateway into entrepreneurship because remember, I was creating my own content. I thought I was going to be, you know, the biggest influencer, the biggest blogger working with the brands. Again, selfish. Very, very, you know, focused on me because I wasn't interested in helping other people do that. And so now I understand that my purpose was tied to that. It was it was meant for me to get really good at that for myself yeah. so that I can help somebody else do it. Because, you know, your purpose in life is to find your gift and then give it away. But I was stuck in the, I want to find my gift and keep it phase being disobedient and so that's why those things weren't working for me even me saying no right that that was God saying you need to go help somebody else do what it is that you have learned how to do and so I get that now but like I don't know that I ever would have just created a plan and quit I think I had to be like back up against the wall forced out depressed to really get it together yeah I say that all the time sometimes when things need to be done in your life if you don't make the decision God will make the decision Mm -hmm. for you it might have been traumatizing to have been fired um, but some, so many people, so many of us, we experience greater loss, you know, by not leaving a relationship, mm-hmm. not leaving the job, right? Mm-hmm. And then you end up even worse off, you know, than a lot of us. Um, but I oftentimes say, like, I kind of jump into uncomfortable positions because I'm mm-hmm. like, I know this is going to do something for me, guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's going to do, but... Um, and I get that now. Yeah. I don't think um I don't think I was there yet in terms yeah. of like mindset. Yeah. And even like spiritually, I don't think I was there yet because we were wired a different way. Like we were conditioned yeah. to think differently. It's very, very hard to recondition the way you think. That that's the hard work. Like most things aren't hard. It's the hard thoughts that go with like thinking about how to do it is harder than ever doing it. Yes. So if you're conditioned to think a certain way, that's the hard work. That's what's holding you back. So 
having to like rewire the way you think that was I feel like the, what was holding me back it's like I didn't think that way because I was conditioned to think another way that's beautiful which is all in line with a whole nother plan but we're not talking about this so because I can so for me I feel like the way we are conditioned to think is you know to keep us oppressed to keep us in one go there sis. yeah so that's why I was like do you want me to go ahead, <laughs> go but yeah ahead. like the way we as as and I don't even like saying people of color because I don't identify with being a person of color I identify with being black my black ass is black okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know politically speaking I guess I'm a person of color but we as black people I feel like we are like ever ever since we were freed there has still been systematic policies and procedures and entities in place to keep us chained in some way or another Mm -hmm. so even in the year of our lord 2021 where we may feel the most free from what it is our ancestors experienced in my opinion only my opinion corporate america and the structures and policies and procedures of that place mm-hmm. is another form yes. of those chains that our ancestors lived in. Can I, and, just, can I just can I just tell you? And yes. so, like that's what I was like. I don't know if you want me to go here because I could. And so for me, us being conditioned, it's like, oh, okay, well y'all free, but like this is how you have some freedom. They're telling you like the way to have freedom is to go and give all of your energy and your life to this job for sixty five years, so you can pull down your four hundred one k and go to Florida at sixty five. Mm-hmm. How is that free? But I think that is conditioning because our counterparts who do not look like us their process the way they are taught to think is not like and so again like the conditioning is still a form of chains and again it's not our parents fault they don't know it's not our grandparents fault they definitely didn't know yeah so the closer you get back to that that generation of our ancestors the thinking is very very parallel absolutely and so when you understand that and like freeing yourself from that it's just like oh wow like they had me they had me literally and I, and I say that and I always preference it by saying this is just my opinion because entrepreneurship is not for everybody and I don't want to be one of the, you think differently yeah you think it I is? would say I, okay so because if we stick if we stay here it's freedom for everybody mm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's, it's yes we're gonna have to go through a lot to get there however I believe it's for everybody mm-hmm. now if you choose to be more comfortable here in this situation instead of getting free that that's a decision Mm -hmm. but i believe being like freedom is for everybody and i believe like your journey to entrepreneurship is is one of those paths to unlearning and deprogramming yourself away from that mindset okay if we stay if we stay in that train of thought because i'm absolutely there with you sis then in the same parallel to go into entrepreneurship is just as hard as leaving a plantation and going to cook your own food figuring out how you're going to live and survive on your Mm -hmm. own when technically Masa would have did it for you mm-hmm. and you didn't have to think around it. You right. wake up and you knew what was going to happen for you. Right. So it's, you're leaving that comfort zone. I understand it's a comfort zone but I I even enjoy talking to even corporate American citizens who acknowledge I am comfortable here. Okay. Let's talk about awareness. Okay. And then once we get to a place of awareness you can decide if you want to change your situation or not. Mm-hmm. Instead of thinking that you're in this, this environment that doesn't necessarily like you're everything is fine like Mm -hmm. for you not to be aware of the system that's a bit scary Mm -hmm. but for you to be aware and still do it that's a decision Mm -hmm. and i can i can be okay you you know what i mean well yeah you've you've opened up my thought you've opened up my mindset because the reason why i was going there that way is because i i thought i guess i was playing it safe i don't want to step on anyone's toes who is comfortable in corporate because if you are comfortable then do that that's great for you and so i just try to be careful with that because 
because you know people like to say, well, all of the entrepreneurs think that everybody should be entrepreneurs. Who gonna work for y'all? You know, right? Mm-hmm. So I tried to like just be mindful of that. But what you just kind of helped me unpack is that me taking that approach is also playing it safe in thought, right? And feeling like that, um, it's it's still playing it safe, which is what I was doing the whole time in corporate, mm-hmm. playing it safe with the good job. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm. <laughs> It's a good job. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's my master impression or what that is, but it just gives like that's what I feel like whenever someone told me, Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna go to college, baby, and get you a good job. And I'm just like, Oh my god. Yeah. So yeah. Listen. college is a scam too, but we don't got that much time. Right? Listen, you know what? Cause yeah, we we can do that. Don't worry, wait for that. Wait for this because we got a whole nother conversation to have. I'm curious mm-hmm. about your spiritual development. Mm-hmm. So even though it didn't start before you were fired, it has developed. I can hear that you have a different relationship with your with your God. Mm-hmm. And I, I can hear that you are clear in having that discernment. And you give yourself time to make decisions that are led by God. How has your spirituality kind of developed over time? Um, So I was born and raised in church, the good old Southern Baptist church. So I was always, I always knew God in some capacity. So my mama had me in church from a very early age, baptized, christened, sung in the choir, all of those things. And then when I went to college, I was like, I ain't going to church. I don't like that. Like, this doesn't feel aligned. Mm. Like, it felt so performative. Mm. Like, going to church was like going to a Beyonce concert. Like, lights, cameras, actions. (laughs) Just, you know. Um, And so, while I still prayed and felt like I had a relationship with God, um, it wasn't, I didn't practice it in the form of going to church. I would say that, um, and honestly, there were times in my life where I was angry with God, particularly through some of that that turmoil with that ambush. Um, I just felt like, dang, like why why you gotta do this to me like what I did you you know like what did I do to deserve this um but it would be entrepreneurship that has shifted my spirituality and brought me closer to God and as I unpack this with you I think I'm kind of talking talking about it out loud for the first time because you spend so much time with yourself and talking to yourself because entrepreneurship is lonely um and then for me I'm used to being by myself anyway I'm an only child neither one of my parents ever had any more kids um live by myself so like I spend a lot of time alone anyway so a lot of times when I am speaking to other people it's like oh well I've thought about this before with myself but to hear yourself say it out loud is different so in talking this through with you right now I think it was the loneliness of entrepreneurship that made me hear God clearer and honestly like to to vibrate at this frequency to do the things that we need to do there has to be a certain level of spirituality because this is hard. This is very, very hard. And so working with different people who had obtained certain things, I guess I saw the God in them because everybody who I've considered like a coach or a mentor, um, that was a common theme that they did mindset work and they were really, really tight with their connection with God. And so I was like, oh, that must be the answer. Mind you, I had already knew God and was spiritual before, but in entrepreneurship, because you are so by yourself and a lot of your decision making, like you don't have any power politics to adhere to yeah so a lot of times it's just you and god in the shower trying to figure it out yeah um (laughs) (laughs) so when you when you drown out the noise to hear god more clearly oh another thing that i did too I'm glad that you asked this because I forgot that this is something that I did. Another thing that I did was I started fasting mm-hmm. from things that I liked. Like, it could be simple things, but like, um, I love a good sweet tea, fruit punch type of situation. I love like sugary sweet drinks. In New York, it's easy to stay away from them because they ain't no sweet tea in New York. You know, it's a southern thing. Iced tea. 
<laughs> with no sugar. But but so aside from that, I still love like a good like um Chick-fil-A lemonade. Yes. Something like that. Love that. And so I would go like a month just water. I would cut out because I really like lemonade and sweet tea. I would cut it out because I used to always hear people talk about God told me to do this. God said that. God said that. And I used to be like, well, why I'm not hearing God? Like God don't be saying nothing to me. <laughs> so I don't understand. <laughs> and so in my mind, I just decided I'm going to fast to see if I can hear God clearer. And so I started just picking things to cut out. It would be like favorite TV shows. I used to love watching Wendy Williams. Okay. I cut it out. And the crazy thing about that is I never went back. So I've gone back to lemonade. Like I've had a glass of lemonade, right? But when I cut out Wendy Williams, I said for three weeks, I'm not going to watch Wendy Williams. I just never went back. It's crazy. So fasting too has been a way to connect spiritually and to hear God clear, like eliminating those distractions has been really, really grounding for me. Like just taking, taking things away from you that you know you enjoy. I feel like that's also like a level of discipline and commitment to, to God where it's like, oh, she's serious. She really trying to see what's up. So let me show up more too, since she's not drinking sweet tea this month. That's a fact. You know? I love that. So yeah. I love, so you have your practical ways fasting um exploring yourself getting quiet getting still and now you feel like and i know we are always growing um but now do you do you find that you are now becoming some of the people that you once admired hmm Hey guys, it's Ariel from the Work and Play Podcast. If you're getting any value from this channel, and I mean anything from the tutorials to the podcast to the random videos that you see on this channel, then I just ask that you do one thing. Please subscribe. Subscribe and share this to anyone that you think this resonates with and drop a comment below so I know what other things that you want to see next. Now let's get back to the episode. Nobody has ever asked me that question. Um, I think I'm attracting some of the things and accomplishing some of the things that some of the people that I once admired have accomplished, but I don't think I'm becoming nobody but a better version of me mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've always admired me too um and so that's the thing it's like while I respect this one love Oprah and look up to that one there's nobody that I've ever like desired to be but me so while I may accomplish we may accomplish similar things what I'm most in love with is me like being able to become a better version of me to tap into a higher version of myself. Yeah. And that's even that's on across the board. Like even outside of like a business standpoint, just even within relationships, platonic and non-platonic, like being able to be tried and instead of slapping somebody, choosing to walk away. Yeah. That's I love that about me that I can be like, you know what? I'm just gonna Uber out of here. <laughs> yeah. This is this is no longer aligned and I'm just gonna go. Yeah. Instead of like taking it to a place that it wants you to go to. So even that, like I like that about me that I can because yeah. that wasn't always a thing. Yeah. Like sometimes I just when I whenever somebody tried me, I felt like oh, you're not gonna play with me. Like I have to let you know that. Yeah, yeah. But now sometimes I could just be like, mm, you're not having a good day, huh? Well, I'm gonna go. <laughs> And, you know, that can just be that. So even like across the board, I'm appreciative of the spiritual alignment across the board because it's helping me get to my next level. I do feel like year after year, I'm becoming a better version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I asked the question because when you were saying like you noticed the two common things of people you admire where they had a one of them specifically is they had a connection with mm-hmm. God. And so it sounds that it sounds like once you identify that, you are becoming and even if you're not becoming them, you're mm-hmm. becoming your future self. Mm-hmm. And your future self is way more boss than we are, mm-hmm. right? Like our future self is already bossed up. Yeah. So um it sounds like in your response you absolutely have now identified with that connection to God that you once saw in other people mm-hmm. and now you see it yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I think hearing your story, I think it's very clear that you you have lived the life that kind of turned into its own career like you kind of made your own career mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't get that opportunity to do you also now set your hours which mm-hmm. is more of a the work and play balance that i love to mm-hmm. talk about and you're a boss with it from a technical perspective like you can help other people so um as i think about some of the clients that you've or as i wonder here curious about the clients that you've helped um would you share like some of like your proudest moments client moments over the years um ooh, so many um uh, one that stands out is um i had a client who um she's an author she also has an apparel line um and she had gone through a divorce which was the inspiration for her first book um and so when we entered into our partnership the book was getting ready to come out but she had done no like promotion or digital rollout behind it mm. because she was afraid nobody knew she was divorced so her online persona was that she was still married and I guess things were good. So not only was the book coming out, but she had never really like, I guess, broke the news. Um, and so she, when we started working together, taking her through those strategies of like how to tell your story, how transparent to be, how vulnerable to be, how to break it up into different seasons and tell it that way. Also helping her understand that her testimony is going to help somebody else's breakthrough. Because that's what this all is really about, right? And that was my lesson in finally doing this. It's like understanding that this is not about me. It's helping somebody else get to their next level. So using those lessons now with my clients. And so once we worked together, um, she did a, I have a content strategy VIP day, which is like a six hour intensive. We sit together and we put together your complete content strategy for your next 90 days or your next project. Just depends on where you are in your business. For her, it was for her book rollout. And so um, she did basically what I told her to do. And she sold a hundred copies the first week of it being released. And she was able to like get um, some features and partnerships in some major publications. And so that's always, because I'm not a numbers person. What I do, the direct ROI is not numbers. And I like that because the numbers will come. I'm helping you do more of the foundational work that puts you in the mindset and sets you up with the strategy that you need to even get to the numbers. And so it was nice though to not only that she sold 100 copies of the book in the first week and that she was able to be featured in these publications, but just to see her be able to overcome the mindset of feeling like, oh my God, what are people gonna think when they find out I'm divorced? How are people gonna react to that story? The outpour of feedback that she got from people, because that's what I said, so you're freeing someone. Somebody's going through something similar. Someone has experienced this. And so allowing her to tap into her influence, to tap into finding her gift and giving it away, I love seeing that type of transformation. When people not only get the monetary or the metrics of putting in the work, but they get the transformation mentally, strategically, because that's what you need to do it again. Numbers will come and numbers will change. How much money I have today is not going to be how much money I have tomorrow. I'm either have a little bit more or a little less. Yeah, that's going to always fluctuate. But the strategy, the systems, the mindset needed to do it over and over again. Yes, that's what people have to work on, and that's my job. It's like people are like, well, how do I get more followers? How do I make more money? How do I get more likes? Right, and all of those things are great. Like I know that you want those things, but like foundationally, how do you set yourself up to have the systems, the structure, the structure in place to accomplish your goals over and over again? If you set a goal that you want to make ten thousand dollars in a month, 
and you you hit that goal. If you have not documented and then put together a policy, uh, a system of how you did that, then how are you going to do it again? And so that's the approach I take with content strategy. It's like, okay, you want to get to a thousand followers or you want to post five times this week. You may hit that goal and post five times this week, but then next week you don't post anything. And then the following week you may post once. And then before you know it, it's been a month and you have this inconsistency posting, inconsistent posting cadence. And that's because you fell in love with the goal of I'm going to post five times this week and you hit that goal and then you sat down and took a break. But you have to fall in love with the systems, the process of by which you attain those goals. And so that's where I come in. It's like, I want to help. Yes, I want to help you help you get to the bag. I want you to work with all these publications. I want you to sell books, sell services and all of those things. But at the core, I want you to have a different structural system and mindset to position yourself to be able to do it over and over again. Because what happens at the end of our partnership? I need you to be able to do it even without me. And so that's like one of the biggest, I guess, rewards for me is like being able to see the transformation in the mindset and in the strategy when a person was so scared to even show up, to even tell their story. And then when it comes back to you in the form of people saying, oh, my God, thank you for sharing this. That's worth more than any like, share, follow, dollar. Because, again, it's all about human connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, I have thoroughly enjoyed being on the couch. I swear, I have, I've been like on the journey, doing double dutch. I know together. this was therapy. Do I owe you? Do you have an invoice? <laughs> like you asked some questions, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's making me think about this, and I haven't actually talked about this with anybody out loud. Now I'm talking about it out loud and on camera. Like this is a stretch. Like you, you made me stretch. So send me your invoice. <laughs> I feel like I owe you for a therapy session. I feel like I owe you too, girl, because I'm going to take some of these strategies and apply it to my own business. And so hopefully you guys who are watching and listening can apply this to your strategy as well, because I thank you for being on the couch with me and pushing yourself and stretching yourself. And I thank you guys for watching and for listening. So Kayla, if there is someone out there who has, oh, you know what? What? I have to, so I typically love, I love to end with, saying a word to reach back to those who are still in corporate okay and have not yet either been pushed out or decided to jump mm-hmm. out and want to figure out how can I get to a place of like enjoying my life and setting up my time my schedule the way I want to and and doing all those things for myself if you could or if you would say anything what would that word be to give them a little bit of encouragement to either change their situation or embrace the the pressure that's about to come hmm um, I would I would pull from something that's been a, a real big theme to me this year, but particularly this past week, um, which is to manage your expectations. Um, because while entrepreneurship is freedom, um, it comes with its own set of sacrifices and circumstances. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of people will try it, they'll dip their toe in and go back, yeah. is because their expectations were mismanaged. Mm-hmm. They think, as soon as I let go of this, this will open up for me. That doesn't mean you don't have to work for it. That doesn't mean you're not going to cry, be angry, broke. Like, it's still work. And so, set your expect, like, decide what you want, write it down, set your tangible goals to get there, um, but manage your expectations of how it's going to happen, who's going to be a part of it, um, time-wise, like, all of those things, because everybody who starts with you won't end with you like your circumstances will drastically change so if you are making the leap from corporate to entrepreneurship make sure that your expectations are managed in a way that are realistic yeah because while it's great we love it here this is not easy yeah um many things aren't easy we're way too complex of individuals for things to be easy yeah um so yeah that would that would be my piece because that's what i'm 
learning myself as well yeah that's yeah. beautiful i love that um and so for those who are listening to your story and they're watching you and they want to work with you mm-hmm. um girl get their content <laughs> strategy together yes um or if they just want to follow your journey and continue yes. to see you grow how can they con- contact you i am everywhere on the www's and the dot coms it is at kayla riggins K-A-L-A. My mama ain't put the Y. Okay? I don't know why. Y'all gotta ask her. But it's at Kayla Riggins. K-A-L-A R-I-G-G-I-N-S. And then you can always find the most accurate and recent information about me on my website, which is KaylaRiggins.com. Wonderful. (laughs) There you have it, guys. You know what to do. You have your instructions. Go ahead and follow them. And until next time, thank you again. I gotta just thank you. Yes. But peace out, guys. (laughs) Bye.